Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello, and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And on the show today, I've got a fabulous guest for you, and I hope you're really going to enjoy the conversation. His entrepreneurial streak showed itself early at the age of 12 when he ran a neighborhood car washing empire. He then nearly got kicked out of university for emailing all 28,000 students and staff. He's been a professional lookalike, owns a business that owns 1,500 blow-up dolls, but now helps business leaders by going deep through his laser-sharp challenge and questioning. A trusted business advisor, coach, mentor, and also the youngest Vistage chair in history, he brings the requisite gravitas and authority to his Vistage group, combining it with boundless energy, enthusiasm, and an eagerness to facilitate results. Please welcome Adam Harris. Adam, hi, how are you? I'm very good. That's a really quite good intro, actually, isn't it? It's not a bad one, is it? It's yeah. it's left me with about fifty questions. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to start? Well, I tell you what. Um, I've got to know about the blow up dolls, and I presume the GDPR thing wasn't in place at uni. Uh, yeah. But before we before we started recording, you were mentioning that you're um you you you're leaving these shores for um nineteen uh, fifties England in the South Pacific. Yes, um, sad to say, speaking to an Australian, that I am I'm moving to uh, to New Zealand. Uh, it's a move that's been on the cards. Probably we started talking about it five years ago. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and the end of this year, um, we're uh, we're off to New Zealand. Yeah, I could. Uh, Australians and New Zealanders have a lovely rivalry. It's a bit like English and Welsh, really. Um, <laughs> that I could have a lot of fun with, but uh, <laughs> but I won't because it sounds really, really exciting. Uh, so you, your business is here. What what are you doing? How are you changing things? So I've been a, a coach, speaker, and facilitator for the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, did a lot of work through an organization called Vistage, which is a mastermind group for chief execs and MDs. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of, I'm going to quite a small provincial area in New Zealand and I kind of looked at the, looked at the area and thought, I'm not really going to get a huge amount of work from kind of the locality. So my background's within tech, um, and I started looking around and realized that actually there's a lot of organizations that are starting or have been going for a while that are kind of remote or what they call co-located where they've got small offices in lots of different locations or a full distributed business where they don't have any physical office. Everybody's online. Right. So um, my wife and some of the other team within the organization are, have got quite a lot of research experience. So we're, we're doing and building a lot of research um, for in and around that, that area and space to create um, a community of 
uh, leaders within kind of the remote space, whether they're existing or they want to move into that space and, and know there's some of the challenges and the issues and the opportunities that come with that. It's a really interesting concept. I was talking with someone on on the first season of this of this podcast series, um, who's Stephen Dowdy. You may or may not have, have come across set up a, a business recently called Giggle, which is uh, which is a alternative recruiter in the in the gig economy. Um, you know, and his sales directors in Australia and somebody else is somewhere else. And um, you know, got me thinking about the number of businesses that must be like that. But obviously, there's a huge number, um, especially for you to to go at. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a definite growth market, and I think um, what's beginning to happen when you kind of look at the baby boomers, who hierarchical structure was was a big thing. Um, you then look at kind of the millennials that are coming through. There's a great speaker called Henry Rose Lee mm-hmm. who talks on millennials and and generations. Um, these days, with technology, you kind of can get access to whatever skill set or knowledge base that you actually need. Yep. There's a challenge. Um, for a lot of people with regards to if I can't physically see somebody, how do I manage them and how do I know what they're doing? But when you can build the level of trust and rapport and at the same time set the expectations is that you can actually, you know, you, you can create a team from anywhere in the globe. I mean, you know, all most people these days have got access to, to a phone and a laptop and Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Why do we need to be constrained by sitting within an office from, you know, nine to five? Um, the world is changing. Uh, organizations are already doing it. Those that um, are, have been established for a while have got to start thinking about change mm-hmm. uh, on how they work and operate because otherwise the best talent, and you'll know this as a recruiter, the best talent is going to go elsewhere that's going to fit and deliver on the needs of what the employees want. It's uh, it's a really interesting thing. It's uh, particularly that, that, that you know the hunt for worldwide talent is always a difficult thing. Um, it's getting easier with the technology we have to identify the people we want to identify, but then um, being able to work with them has been difficult. It's only in the last kind of few or handful of years, really, that the tech's good enough. Um, but I remember when I set up my, my recruitment business, I left uh, I left a big corporate and went out on my own, and that was in the back bedroom, and then I got an office in town because I thought I needed that, and then I got a landline number because I thought I needed that, and Actually, at the time, you weren't taken particularly seriously unless you had those things. Mm-hmm. Now, no one gives a damn. No one cares no. where I am. If they can yeah. contact me, that's what they want to be able to do. Um, and if I'm available to them, they really don't mind where I am. And I think it's interesting that that's sort of coming full circle now to becoming almost mainstream. And I think the other thing is is that you look at the way that the the software platforms are now delivered uh, historically, you used to have to, you know, kind of have on-premise solutions, and you had to uh, pay a huge and vast sums of money, and only the the, the large companies could leverage, you know, the uh, the technical uh, skill set and and availability. Mm-hmm. And actually, w- what's happened over the last probably ten to twelve years, you know, software as a service, where you you know, on the rental model, you know, on a per seat per user basis, uh, a lot of the times on a monthly basis, is that you know. You can you could be a very very small company, but have the skills and the resources that historically, for many many years, you would only be able to have if you were a large organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you can you can have the flexibility now of the workforce and scale up or scale down as quickly and as much as you need to. You know, you then take into account things like um, you know Fiverr.com or people per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you, you know, if you're smart, you can literally, you know, and uh, in fact, my, myself and my wife are going to a conference this weekend about kind of digital nomads who are literally traveling the globe, um, you know, uh, social and professional influencers. And literally all you need now is a, is a laptop um, because the, the world has changed and is constantly changing. And I think as business owners, we just need to make sure that we're aware of what is what is happening around us. I mean, one of the questions I say to a lot of my coach coaching clients is, if Amazon entered your marketplace today, what's the one or two things that they would do instantly? Mm-hmm. You know, and I um, was saying this to kind of a recruitment company the other day. And, you know, they were saying, well, if Amazon came into the marketplace, you know, their ability to be able to communicate would be far greater than anybody else that's that's out there. And we need to be thinking a little bit like this. Don't wait for the change to happen. Um, be the change and make it happen. There's plenty of businesses, aren't there, that have uh, have gone by the wayside or missed opportunities, I guess, like that. I mean, the, the, the big glaring one in my head is Royal Mail. You know, when email started, Royal Mail ignored it. You know, Royal Mail should have owned that marketplace, but they chose not to. Um, and and now I guess they're probably there's probably a dozen others who could say the same thing. You know, we didn't see it coming when actually, you know, you should have seen it coming and you should have reacted faster. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive uh, advocate. Uh, again, there's another speaker, a guy called Chris Patton, who talks about wargaming. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of ex-forces, as you'd kind of imagine. And yeah. if you think about what the what the forces do, but also then look at a lot of the successful sports teams, it's, it's all about situational uh, experiences and saying, okay, if this happens, how and what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. So you're preparing, you know, um, the the uh, the combat team or in the sporting case of uh, what 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 are the eventualities going to happen? My experience is that within businesses. We don't. We spend next to no time sitting down. First and foremost, reflecting on think some of the things that have happened mm-hmm. and what are the lessons that we've learned from that. And or second of all, let's do our own wargaming. So often when I go in and, and I sit down with clients within the board meetings, you know, I'll, I'll go with some pre-prepared um, solutions uh, or situations and say, right, okay, there's a number of situations. Um, I want you now to open one. And, you know, one of the famous ones that I do is I say, right, okay, look, um, you know, they, they open the envelope and it, the envelope says, right, the chief exec or the MD of this organization has now been, uh, is now been knocked over by a bus, so they're completely unavailable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so use the MD, turn the chair around, sit at the back of the room. Right, guys, what are you going to do as a team? And all of a sudden, you start to realize things like, you know, the bank account details or the contingency plans or, you know, the organization, all of these things, some of the things that are really, really simple, they've just not been thought about. And businesses don't spend enough time thinking around some of the situations and the issues and the problems that may well come up because they will do because that's just business. Um, we need to find a way as leaders of organizations to look at these things that are going to be happening. And so that kind of peer-to-peer group vistage and, and the like do that quite well, don't they? But not yeah. in the new space you're looking at. Yeah, I, I, and I think um, I think we all need to find a way of being challenged, first and foremost as an individual leader, mm-hmm. uh, but second of all as a, as a board or a senior management team. 
And some people, that's gonna, the challenge is going to come from within. Um, sometimes it might well be coaching. Sometimes it might be a peer group or a mastermind. But I, I'm always a massive advocate that we need to find a space that we feel slightly uncomfortable in that is going to stretch us and challenge us and move us to a space that is going to move our thinking. Because, you know, fundamentally as humans, um, we're lazy. We will take the path of least resistance. So we need to find, you know, people or situations that are going to prod us Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're on the top of our game. Well, what someone once said to me years and years ago, you know, we only do two things in business, the things we're checked up on and the things we want to do. Um, and uh, I think that's probably pretty right. Can yep. I just slip back into when you're talking about these these um, businesses, the online businesses or people, remote businesses, how do they build a culture? Is, is that something that's difficult to do or is it something that's not necessary so much? So um, great question. And in the research and the conversations that we've been having, there's not much, there's the same challenges as within any organization, but at the same time, there's a slight difference. So if you, if you think about any startup business that, that, you know, gets created, you've got the founder or the two or three founders, and then you kind of grow to the next stage, which might be half a dozen and then to a dozen and Mm -hmm. then to kind of 25. So a lot of the, a lot of the situations and the challenges are very similar. Um, The culture is sometimes different because um, the rules of engagement become fairly easy, more easy and more evident when you're physically within the same space. Yeah. So you're able to read the body language or you're able to have what they call kind of the water cooler conversations. So organic culture tends to pick up a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with kind of an online uh, remote or co-located business, there has to be very much more of a conscious decision and an effort as to how and what is it are we going to do to have this culture within the organization? So um, meeting pulse uh, times and situations are really, really important. Um, you mentioned just before kind of about um, the accountability piece, mm-hmm. how and what is going to be the accountability piece. Um, and also what are the tools that we're going to use informally as well as formally for communication um, and in in the in the companies that that we've been working with and having conversations with, the more prescriptive that is, mm-hmm. um, the better. Because then what you're doing is you set the expectation for anybody new that comes on board. Right. Um, and then uh, the successful ones are meeting at least once a year, some twice. Where you know if you've got if you've got a disparate workforce across the you know distributed across the globe, is they'll pick a week. The same week each year, they'll mm-hmm. pick a um, you know a, a lavish location, uh, and they bring everybody together for a week. and And it's really interesting. I've I've, I've been to a couple of these events as uh, as guests of my clients, um, and it's really interesting to see the dynamic where you've got individuals that have come into the team over the last twelve months that have been they've got a relationship they've and they've had that for you know say anything up to a you know nine ten eleven months. Um, they've built the rapport, they've built the relationship uh, and, and to a degree, a level of trust. And all of a sudden you put them together uh, for the first time physically. And what then happens is that the depth of relationship goes then to another level right. because they, they connect on that physical uh, basis. So we've been a massive advocate and we're actually starting to run a number of um, retreats 
for our clients where we help shape the agenda to enhance and build that um, that trust and that relationship further. And most importantly, uh, celebrate the success of the uh, of the previous year uh, and also have a lot of fun because, you know, that's especially millennials. We were speaking about, you know, the workforce earlier. Mm-hmm. Millennials want a lot of that. They want, you know, the, 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 the fun. They want the recognition uh, and they like to party at the same time. Yeah, no, look, I, um, I, there's so many things that bounce through my head when you were talking then. It's, um, you know, having worked in, in a very big corporate with lots and lots of offices all over the place, um, you know, even with physical locations, you still need to get people together, particularly when they, they just end up working better. Um, the fact that they've met, they've had a drink, they've had a chat, they've had a laugh together, they've enjoyed each other's company. Um, it gives them, you know, a common focal point, but also that rapport bill that you mentioned just goes so, so much deeper. Um, you know, people often say at a training course, you know, the, the most beneficial part of training courses is the beers in the evening. Um, and quite often I think that's, well, probably the case. I, th- I think a lot of the times is that um, there's been some research done what, with what they call the 50-foot rule. Um, if you're in the same, you know, and you think back to when you were in, in corporate, if you were in, you know, if there was somebody within the office that was more than 50 feet away, the chances are you probably would only actually engage with them when you actually needed to. Yeah. So what's important is is that you find ways and methods to you know have the touch point. And and I think this is the interesting thing for me about um when you kind of you are remote is that you have to have the conversation about, you know, on a scale of one to ten, James, what how would you rate our relationship? Because we're working together, even though we've not actually physically met. Mm-hmm. How how is the relationship working? What do we need to do to improve it? You can have the conscious conversation, whereas I think what a lot of the times happens within you know within office environments is it kind of just gets lost, and there's there's many assumptions that are made is that because we're in the same building, that relationships are good and strong, and actually they're not, um, and that's something that uh, uh, for me has been really really highlighted through this process as, as um, we've been starting to work with these organisations. And is there something the physical businesses can learn from this then? Uh, yeah, I, I think for me, the, the learning is around actually have clarity around what the forms of communication are that you're going to have. So um, one of the things that we've been doing is there's a, there's a system called Entrepreneurial Operating System. If um, some of the listeners haven't heard, there's a great book called Traction, uh, uh-huh. by a guy called Gino Whitman, which is about systemizing and processing. And, and that they have a system that you can follow um, that I've implemented with a number of clients. And one of the things that they talk about is they talk about having these pulse meetings. Right. Their language and terminology is a level 10, 90-minute meeting, same time, same day, um, starts on time, finishes on time mm-hmm. every single week. Right. So when you get into the rhythm and the routine uh, from a formal perspective, and you know, it goes back to the accountability, is that you create that, you create the pulse, you create the rhythm. So I, I think for me that the learnings are around consistency. What's the purpose of the uh, of the engagement of the meeting, and then also actually having the conversation around how are we going to communicate informally? Um, you know, Trello, Slack, WhatsApp, Messenger, you know, Skype. You know the technology now is there. Mm-hmm. What's what's going to work well within the organisation, as well as what what will work for people that may well 
be either working from home or out on the road. Um, and it, it's about, you know, mapping that out and, uh, and creating the culture and setting the expectations to this is how we're going to communicate through. I really like the sound of that. It's um, it's something that you know, you you just, having a regular meeting in a business is an important thing. Doesn't matter if you're you're a thousand miles apart or or fifty feet apart or five feet apart. Um, a lot of the software that people are starting to use, you mentioned a number of them there, um, are are, are really good. But I think the point you made or the way you you phrased it was was interesting in that. It's choosing um, the communication device that suits your business rather than saying, hey, Trello is great. Let's make that work, um, you know, because it may not work for everybody that way. And actually Skype or Zoom or whatever else might be a preferred way. And for a lot of people, humans are social things, social animals. And, you know, for a lot of people, they need that social connection to, to feel normal in the world. I, th- I think there's one important thing that I want to mention um, I think the other thing is, is that it's also reviewing those on a consistent basis. So when I say consistent, it might be twice a year or once a year, but it's not being afraid to say, actually, do you know what? This piece of software is now not fit for purpose. There's something that does it better, needs to be reviewed in the right way. But it used to be the case that software was incredibly expensive and people's resistance to move was around sunk cost. Yep. Actually, what we now need to do is we now need to look at and go, does this, does this solution serve the purpose of what we're trying to achieve? Has the purpose now changed? Do we now need a different solution that's actually going to work better for us? Or, and I think this is something that you know organizations really need to consider, that actually the majority of our workforce are going to be more, more comfortable in using something that they're going to be more used to. So, you know, I mean, I've, I don't know what you've seen, but the adoption of kind of WhatsApp, within you know organizations has been on the massive increase mm. because it's the it's the environment that a lot of people are on on a daily basis so if that's where people are intuitively going it does that then become the right solution for the business at that time it's uh, what you know mentioning whatsapp's quite interesting so i talked to obviously recruiters are constantly struggling to get hold of people um and often they don't like to text message because it feels a little bit intrusive it's a little bit too personal where email can, you know, they email gets gets lost in the in the ether at times, or not physically, but certainly in an inbox. Where WhatsApp seems to sort of bridge the gap somehow. It's not quite as as personal as your your text message might be, but actually gets responded to very quickly. And it's actually it's a very nice solution for a lot of businesses. Yeah, it it does. It seems to be more conversational. Um, and if you look at the language, it's very much more informal. So I think, you know, if again, if that's where, you know, the market or the customers are going and that's what they that's what they need and what's what they're used to. That's the thing is that you've got to look at it and go, well, you know, does that I mean, does that give us a competitive advantage? You know, a lot of the more traditional recruiters will go, well, we'll follow the formal route, yep. whereas the kind of, you know, uh, you know the fintech, you know the the, the startup, you know recruiters, etc. You know if, if they're using WhatsApp because they're going to get um, they're going to get this to the screen a lot faster and a lot quicker. Um, that's what the customer desires. Uh, so you sometimes you just got to go where where the need and, uh, and where the customers are. Well, it falls straight back to being customer focused and customer centric, doesn't Absolutely. it? It's you know people yeah. say they are businesses always say oh yeah of course we are. 
um, you know, if your finger's properly on the pulse and you know what, what your client's like, you know, one of the questions we teach recruiters when they're, when they're very new is to ask a client, how do you like to communicate? What's the best way of keeping in touch with you? Really simple question. But if that changes over time, you change too. You know, there's a lot of dinosaurs going out of business. I mean, what, um, and what a great way to be learning from your customers as well, going, oh, that's a new one. Mm. Not heard about that. Tell me more. Wow, it's great. It does this, 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 and this. You know, I mean, what a great way to be building rapport, relationship, and depth uh, with a customer. Because I got, you know, I'm pretty sure that you know the competitive recruitment companies not asking that question. They're just following their own process, um, which may well be antiquated and out of date. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It'll be email. It doesn't work. Uh, oh. <laughs> as simple as that. As simple as that. It's a completely different question, Adam. You were a professional lookalike. Tell me about that. Okay. Um, of course, it's quite, it, it, it's quite an embarrassing story. So I used to uh, manage a Sunday league football team. Right. And as a lot of teams do, everybody has a nickname. So um, <clears throat> for, for many years, my nickname was, uh, was Chopper. A uh, famous uh, 60s footballer called Chopper Harris. Yeah. Also tended to be the way that I played as well, actually. <laughs> Goodness me. Um, okay. And then um, one of the guys came in and goes, I've got a new nickname for you. We're going to call you Guesty. So there was a, a guy that was, um, it was Michael Jackson's best friend. Um, he was married to Liza Minnelli. Um, and it's a guy called David Guest. Right. Um, some of the listeners will probably will know, and some of them the the well, won't. I'm, I'm laughing because he's a lot older than you, isn't he? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, he he's now he's now sadly dead, but he um, he 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 was uh, nearly twice my age. Right. Uh, he had a lot of plastic surgery, and he looked not the best. Um, so I had this nickname for probably uh, I don't know four or five years, and then. Uh, the program I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, that's where a lot of people may well remember him from. He ended up being contestant right. on that. Uh-huh. Um, and literally the night that he went in, I must have got about 50 messages, um, a few emails, but not many, text yeah. message. Uh, it was before WhatsApp. People going, oh, my God, I can't believe it. You're, you, know, you are the spitting image of, uh, of David Guest. Thank you very um, much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, So um, a friend of mine is a photographer. So we decided let's do a bit of a photo shoot, have a bit of fun, uh, and then uh, sent it off to a couple of lookalike agencies. And then uh, literally two or three days later, I get a call, um, and I ended up doing a couple of uh, guest appearances as David Guest. Um, one of which ended up being on uh, on Richard and Judy. Um, Fantastic. So, yeah. The dizzy Heights. Uh, I couldn't sustain a uh, long-term career out of it, but it uh, it got me into some very interesting places uh, and I had a lot of fun as a result. So I, I tell you, you know, when you go to those, um, you, you go into a course or you go into something and they, you know, say, who are you? What's your background? And tell us something interesting about you. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to tell people I was born in the same hospital as Rolf Harris, um, which for years and years was fine until, uh, you know, he was found out and, and yep. I haven't done that since. But I, I've never been a lookalike for uh, for Michael ba- Jackson's best mate. I think that must go down really well. It, it's quite a good intro, isn't it? Uh, you know, especially when you're coming on stage and literally people are just kind of going, they're going, 
so I'm, I'm trying to work out and then you know you, you tell them and some of them some people get it straight away and then others go oh I see it now and I put sometimes I put a big picture on the screen um and I, I actually have got a picture of me and him next to each other so uh interesting so now you you a lot of what you've done in the past and I'm sure you still do lots and lots of is helping people network better um yep. and introduce each other to each other and and you know be that sort of more memorable um does that get in your way um so i've kind of gone through my my life and career and just kind of been i am who i am Mm -hmm. and it's part of my story it's part of who i am and there's more people that are gonna see the funny side and connect and empathize <clears throat> and build a relationship with me. Those are the people I people that I want to work with that I that I like that I end up caring about. Yeah. Um, if somebody doesn't get me, um, to be honest, uh, I've been doing this a long time. I'm fortunate that I get to work with great people and mm-hmm. I love what I do. So I. I just don't, to be honest, if it, if it, on the odd occasion it happens, I just kind of step to one side and go, I'll just move over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting what you're saying though. It's, um, if, if there's enough of the right people that you've got to market, um, you yeah. don't need thousands of clients. You just need enough. Yeah. And, and I think, um, we attract people who are like us, mm-hmm. um, so, and you, you know, when you meet somebody or you get introduced, and I, I actually had this last night, um, a, a friend of mine um, put me in touch with somebody else and said, you two need to talk because there was the trust from both sides. Mm-hmm. Neither of us, re- uh, you know, didn't know, she didn't know me from Adam. Um, we got on and literally within 30 seconds, you know, we're connecting, there's, there's rapport. And that's based on the fact that the person that introduced us uh, trusted us and, and, and knew us both well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when that happens, it just, life just becomes really, really easy. And then, you, you know, you don't necessarily need to, to sell, um, because you're connecting on many different levels and relationships and mutual benefits, etc. Um, and, and then, you know, I think that's where, you know, a lot of the times business actually doesn't have to be complicated just have lots of conversations with people that are like you and then they'll introduce you to people like them. And, you know, before you know it, you're doing great things with great people and adding value. Sounds so simple. Uh, yes. I think sometimes we try and complicate things a little bit too much. Um, I think we sometimes listen to the wrong people. Um, again, I think that's important to surround ourselves with the, with the people that we know, like, and trust, but also, some people that are going to challenge us or get us out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my experience of speaking and working with a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders, intuitively they know what the right thing is to do. It's often the case that they're looking for the verification from somewhere else. Um, and I don't know if that's because, uh, you know, human nature means that we're, we're insecure uh, or that we're looking for self-verification or verification from others. Um, one of the things I often say to people is, is that the difference between a manager and a leader is that a leader will make decisions, which are the what I call the best level thinking. So it's the best mm-hmm. decision at that moment in time and yep. move on. Because we're never going to make all the right decisions. We've just got to make a decision. Um, Every decision is the right decision at the time based on the information you have in front of you. 
it's only a mistake in hindsight, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that we, you know, your view on this might be interesting in the fact that, that culturally, I think within the UK is that often we're looking for all of the answers before we can make the decision. Um, I, I haven't experienced it as much within North America. I don't know what your experience is with kind of, you know, Australia and that poor little country in New Zealand as well. Um, <laughs> I don't but, know New Zealand. I've never been. So what, what I mean, it, you know, decision-making in Australia experience? Um, I think it's more similar to Britain than America um, right. in that people are less likely to just run with an idea um, and – I think there's also um, America has America is an interesting place in that people are very um, people are very supportive of those who go out to try and build a business. If you say, "Look, I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. I've got this great idea," um, you know, people will pat you on the back and say, "Yeah, go on, have a go. Good luck to you." Um, where I think in Britain they're much more reserved about it, and in Australia. Um, it's kind of closer to the British side. So you will end up with people saying, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, but it will never work or, you know, why would yeah. you do that? So um, I think, yeah, I think that kind of enthusiasm that Americans have is um, is fantastic. It's one of the things that um, that I like about globalisation is that some of that idea of, you know, anyone can be anything they want to be is rubbing off. Um, mm-hmm. And businesses, people are prepared to go and and try and start something um, because they like the idea of it and they think they might be able to make it with enough effort. They probably will. Yeah, and it, it, I'm finding it quite interesting at the moment. You know, my daughter's eleven. Um, mm-hmm. You know, both me and my wife are former teachers, and the education system doesn't. Uh, doesn't allow for kind of you know the ability to kind of not fail but just not succeed you know we're, we're mm. teaching our kids that you've got to get it right first time and that's not what being an entrepreneur and running a business is is about in fact that's not what life is about you know trials tribulations challenges issues opportunities that is life and, and i'm not necessarily sure that we um we present and give you know, our kids and also the workforce, the opportunity to try things and not necessarily succeed and just learn from it. But yeah, it's, I mean, I've talked a lot on this podcast series about education and the systems that we were in and, you know, my, my son's 12, my daughter's 10. And uh, so they're not wildly different ages. Um, but Ben's gone into, he's going into year eight tomorrow, but um, he's, you know, he's gone into a private school um, for his, the second half of his education and there's a marked dis- difference in the style of learning. It's far more about mm-hmm. um, understanding and thinking than it is about regurgitation. And I think that kind of thing is great. Um, but in terms of decision-making and prepping people for the life outside, um, I don't know if there really is a, is a proper answer or there's a, there's a, I don't think there's a magic bullet. No, I agree. I mean, we tried homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, addressed some of it, but brought some different challenges sure. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to be honest, that's one of the reasons why uh, why we're making the plunge to move. We found a school that um, is pushing the boundaries. Uh, it's a shame that we've literally got to go half the way around the world to to, to go somewhere like mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, I'm going to be really interested to see uh, how they work and how they operate um, you know, as somebody that in theory has kind of been a 
uh, a teacher or a guide with business owners, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to be fascinated to kind of be sitting in and observing and just seeing how they do things. Um, you know, with uh, with the youngsters because you know when when we look at the current education system, uh, it's antiquated, out of date. You know, and, and I'm sure you have this with uh, with your son. Uh, if I don't know the answer, I'll just go to Google. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, the re- the regurgitation that you know that was there when you and I went to school. God, we sound old. Um, I, I'm feeling every inch of it at the moment. <laughs> it's it's just it's not it's not fit for purpose, and I, no. I think um, uh, first and foremost, as parents, we have to acknowledge what what is our role in how that we uh, that we teach with our kids. Mm-hmm. But also, I think there's a there's a wider responsibility as a as a business owner or, or a, as a leader in how and what are we doing with our with our staff and our teams. You know, how and what are we doing to educate them and support them mm-hmm. and to push them into into different areas um because if we look at the millennial the, you know the really smart switched on you know millennials you know our kids that are coming through the demands on what they're going to want from us as leaders of organizations in you know now and in the future is going to be different and we've got to adapt um and find ways of being able to offer them more than what we were probably offered when we were, you know, in the workforce. There's, I mean, it's not even just, it's not our kids. It's, it's already the, the, you know, the 20 somethings that are, you know, making up the bulk of the workforce. Um, it's the, the expectation is different. Um, we need to understand it. They also need to be taught how to work with old guys like you and I, um, <laughs> because, you know, we're the ones who pay the wages, um, yeah. but also we're the ones that they're pitching to, we're the ones that they're, contacting and in and in, in in touch with for the time being anyway um but also i think we need to be much more sensible about how we operate our businesses and how we design them so when you start talking about um you know co-locations and, and things like that i think it gives an amazing opportunity for the people who want to work in that style of business not everybody mm-hmm. will um yeah. but it's an opportunity for people who want it um, and flexibility has become incredibly important to people. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. Adam, it's, uh, we're about to get onto a, a high horse on education, so I deliberately <laughs> pulled back from that because it, it's uh, it just speak on this for hours. Oh, it's and it's fun too. Um, it's more. It's probably better around a campfire with a bottle of wine, but. Um, <laughs> I, I, before we go, and I, I'm yeah. really conscious of the thank you for so much of your time and, and, and your thoughts, what's your one thing, Adam? What's your big golden nugget that you'd like to leave listeners with that they could do in their businesses today to make it better for now and better for the future? God, you put a big question on me to finish, didn't you? Um, I, I think often the golden bullet is something that we can't necessarily find it just finds us. So I think that sometimes is really, really key in the fact that um, we've got to be reading, listening, watching, being challenged. And if you're if you're doing something that is pushing your boundaries, the golden nugget will come to you at the right time. Um, so different people have different styles and different ways of learning. I think you need to, I think my my golden nugget would be understand how you learn best Mm. on your own, with others, reading, listening, watching. So once you understand that, ensure that you're spending the time that's appropriate for you, again, different for different people, 
And then as long as you're consistently um, finding ways to, to learn, be challenged, listening, etc., the golden nuggets will find you. Fantastic. Adam, thank you so, so much. It's been great chatting with you. My pleasure. Loved it. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Only One Business Show, and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.